look with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke, to chapter 14. The book of Luke, and in chapter 14, and I'd like for us to read verse 15 through verse 24, as our subject is a lesson for servants. We spoke to you this morning on giving thanks for divine election. One of the great doctrines of grace that we find in the Word of God. We look now at a lesson for servants, which certainly re, uh, points us to our responsibility as the servants of God. Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. When one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor, and the maimed, and the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. There's many different lessons, sermons, could be preached from this text of Scripture, but I want us to focus our attention upon the servant who was sent out by his master. Again, there's many different things we could speak of in this text, but that's our message this evening concerning this servant. I think the verses of our text are better understood in light of the context. So I'm going to back up and to verse 7 and read through verse 14. And he put forth a parable to those which were bidden when he marked how they chose out the chief rooms, saying unto them, When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, Sit not down in the highest room, 
lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee and him come and say to thee, Give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher, then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Then, he, then said he also to them that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again and a recompense be made thee. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. Go with me now, if you would, to the verses after our text. Here I began in verse 25. And there went, a, there, there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it began to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassador, and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt hath lost his savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill. But men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Again, our subject is a lesson for servants. To begin with, I want to just remind you of one verse of Scripture in Psalm 76. And I'll just 
just mentioned this in verse 10, but keep it in mind, if you would, throughout the message. Psalm 76 and in verse 10. Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee, the remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. In our text, Luke in chapter 14, notice verse 15 and verse 16 again. And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. But as we did read, those that were bidden to come refused to come. They would not come. And it appears that to their way of thinking, they all had valid excuses or reasons not to come. It's amazing. It's amazing. In verse 18, they all, with one consent, began to make excuses. The amazing thing to me is our human nature. How easy it is and how quickly we are able to do it to make excuses for our unfaithfulness. It just comes natural, it seems. As if we think God will understand why I'm not obeying Him in this matter. These all, with one consent, began to make excuses. Each, each excuse that we have here is more flimsy than the one before. Notice the excuses, beginning in verse 18. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I, I pray thee, have me excused. Many times when we seek to make an excuse for being unfaithful to God and in the service of God, all we do is manifest our ignorance. The man said, I have bought a piece of ground and I must know I must needs go and see it. Wouldn't you think he would have done that before he bought it? Wouldn't that be the logical and reasonable thing to do? But yet he uses that as this flimsy excuse to not come to where he is bitten. In verse 19. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I go to test them again. Wouldn't you think he would have done that before he bought them? Wouldn't that have been the reasonable thing to do? But rather than doing what was reasonable and logical to do, 
He waits and uses that as an excuse not to come where he is bidden. The last of these is the most ridiculous of all. I have married a wife. I've married a wife and I cannot come. Every one of these are invalid reasons to refuse to come. And again, to me it's amazing how that people can make excuses that seem reasonable to them but seem so illogical to everyone else to whom they make the excuse. And you know it's just an excuse for unfaithfulness. In our text, those invited refused to come. But this did not diminish the honor of the man who prepared the great supper. But rather he used this occasion to display his honor and grace, bring in the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. And these were welcome guests at the supper. Those that are bidden refuse to come. There's others. There's others. You know, when the unrighteous refuse to come, Jesus says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. When the wise and the prudent refuse to come, God reveals his truth unto babes. You're not going to frustrate God. When the rich and the powerful refuse to come, the poor have the gospel preached unto them. You're not going to frustrate the grace of God. In verse 21, the master of the house is angry. But won't you notice he does not vent this anger in wrath, but rather in grace and goodness unto others. Again, just a reminder, when the Jews rejected Jesus Christ, what happened? The gospel was sent to the Gentiles. When the natural branches were broken off, what happened? Other branches were grafted in. God in his great sovereignty has a way, as we read in Psalm 76 and in verse 10, of using all things for his glory, even the wrath of man, even the sinfulness of man, even the rejection of man of his son. God can use the wrath of man to praise him if there's any wrath that will not praise him, God just does not let it happen. Psalm 76, 10 again. Again, our, our focus is, up, is upon the servant. The servant. In verse 21 and verse 22, 
So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed, the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. Keep your mind on this servant. He said, it is done. The master said, go out quickly and do this. The servant says, it is done. I did not look it up. I don't know how many words are here in the original language, but in our Bible, there's just three here. It is done. Have you ever noticed those who serve the Lord the best usually say the least? Jesus, our great example. After he had fulfilled his work here upon this earth, done what God had sent him into this world to do, a man of few words, just said it is finished. Now know this one in the original language, just one word. Jesus is the great servant. You saw, rather, Isaiah 42, 1 comes to my mind. Behold my servant. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He faithfully served his father when his work was done. He just said it's finished. The best of the servants of the Lord do not boast of themselves, nor do they make a great show of their work. Humility is the robe of a good servant. In the secular world, at jobs in this world, it's always good to take credit for what you've done but not in the things of God. No room to boast of yourself. Draw attention unto yourself. Just do what you're supposed to do. In verse 22, you'll notice this servant did not even say, I have done it. He just said, it's done. It's done. Again, not building himself up, not saying, look what I have done, but rather he just said, it is done. The servants of the Lord have no room to boast in anything they do in the service of the Lord. You're in the book of Luke. Turn over to chapter 17 and notice what is written there in verse 10. In Luke 17 and in verse 10, So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, We are unprofitable servants. 
We have done that which was our duty to do. Therefore, there's no room for boasting any way at all. Back in our text in Luke chapter 14 and in verse 22, with this servant of, the, of the, his master, there seems to be a sense of expectancy. As if he's saying, there's more I can do. There's more I can do. In verse 22, the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, but yet there is room. There's room. There, there's more here that can be done. I've, I've done what you said to do, but there is still room. And it appears to me that this servant just stands ready to do more than he was first even commanded to do. He said, there's still room. I could not help but think as individual servants of our Lord and as the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can never say we have done enough. There's still room. There's still room. We should follow the example of this servant and stand ready to do even more. We do what we do, but yet, there is room. There is room. In verse 22 of our text, I, I find another lesson, and it is a, a very great lesson, and I hope you've noticed it by now. The servant did not simply say, it is done. He said, it is done as thou hast commanded. He done it just like his master commanded. Faithful servants of the Lord Jesus Christ do the work of the Lord in the manner in which he has commanded. It is done as thou hast commanded. I'm sure you've heard me say it. I've said this over and over in our our mission work in Thailand, and I, I really believe this is one of the reasons God has blessed that work as he has. We strive to do God's work God's way. That's a simple rule for churches, mission work, whatever it may be in the servants of the Lord. Do it as he has commanded. The modern trend today among churches and also in mission work is that any, any means is okay as long as you reach a certain end. You invent your own way to do it. Well, the Lord has commanded a certain way. If you want God's blessing, do it God's way. Do it God's way. And I've said over and over, we have no reason to expect 
a holy God to bless unfaithfulness and disobedience. The servant said in verse 22, Lord, it's not just done. It's done as thou hast commanded. It'd be hard to imagine the difference that it would make if every church would be able to truthfully say, it is done as thou hast commanded. What a change it would make in worldwide mission work. And there are missionaries spread out all over the world. What if every one of them could say, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. What a change that would be. What a change that would, would be. In our text, in verse 21, So that servant came and showed his Lord these things, and the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly. There's an urgency here. Go out quickly. Go seems to be the constant command of our master to his servants and to his churches. Go. 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 You find it over and over again. Go. Carry the gospel somewhere. Carry the gospel. It's a shame and even a disgrace concerning many churches that I'm personally acquainted with that do nothing, nothing to get the gospel of Jesus Christ outside of the confines of their four walls. They do nothing. They do nothing. An old saying concerning people like that and churches like that is they have an attitude of us four and no more. Have no concern. I was in a pastor's house, a Baptist pastor's house years ago, and something came up in our conversation about his neighbor down the road this man said, I don't care if they all go to hell. And I told him, you have no business in the ministry. That's what he told me. Go. Go out quickly. There ought to be an, an urgency about this. Uh, this servant was sent out. And then in verse 23, go again. Go out again. Notice verse 23. The Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come that my house may be filled. This master of the servant would not be satisfied until his house was filled. Can you relate that to 
John chapter 14, where Jesus did speak of his father's house that had many dwelling places or mansions. Jesus has gone to prepare these dwelling places for all that the Father has given him. I'm convinced there will be no empty places in the Father's house. The Master will have his house filled. He uses means, as we noted this morning, the preaching of the gospel. Go out. Go out. When we sat down one day in the kingdom of God with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I don't think there'll be any empty, I'll say, just say empty chairs there. I think everyone that's purposed and ordained of God to be there will be there. Again, I think his house will be, be filled. We have an inheritance reserved for us in heaven. There will be no unclaimed inheritance as there is here upon the earth many times. There will be no unclaimed crowns. Father's house will be filled. I find in this text, in this servant, and also in the master, a desire to go out, bring them in. Not to a house like this, but bring them into the family of God, the kingdom of God. This servant serves as an example and a great lesson for any servant of the Lord, no matter what the role may be. I'm going to read verse 22 through verse 24 and I'll close. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. That has reference to those who made such spindly excuses. Those that said, I bought some land, I need to go look at it. I bought some oxen, I need to go check them out. Or I just married a wife and I cannot come. According to the text here, none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper.